if you're just writing content for the sake to fill up your blog, you just want to give volume, you just want to make sure that you're meeting some calendar that you've created, then you're just creating content for the sake of it. And we're in the age of AI now. You can do that with ChatGPT, with Jasper, with any of these tools that are popping out every day. But if you have a structure to the way you create the content, you've done the audit to see why is our content failing? Welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. Join your host, Dots Oyobulu, as he learns from CMOs, agency leaders, and business leaders about the state of performance marketing, plus insights on strategies, campaigns, and intelligence for commercial impact. Connect the dots and enjoy the latest episode. Hi, marketers. This is Dots, and welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast. With me here is Chima Meje. Content strategist as Zenith Copy and a well-round SEO content thought leader. We will discuss making your content spider web convert with SEO content clusters. I know that's a mouthful, but stay with me here. Let's get into it. Chima, how are you doing? It's nice to meet you. That's really nice to meet you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's an honor to have you here and doing this. So do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, your background, your role? Yeah. Sure. So my name is Chima Meje. I am a content strategist. I primarily work with B2B SaaS companies, predominantly in the US. I think that is the bulk of my background. I've been doing this since 2017, started out in-house working agency side, and then went freelance in 2019 and fully niched down in SaaS in 2020 during the pandemic. So that is the 30 seconds background story. <laughs> 30 seconds background story. Okay, I will ask you something else about your background here. Since you are in B2B SaaS, you're probably aware of the emerging trend of demand generation content. I don't think it has been an emerging trend. It has always been there. <laughs> ah, okay. well, you're right. It has always been there. There are books written by Robert Rose, Joe Polizzi on the killer marketing back in 2017, mentioning these concepts. I have heard about them back in the early days of the social media marketing podcast out there on the very first episode. But we have other influencers like uh, Chris Walker really honing on why it's so important to drive demand generation content, no-click content, and all these other things, and focus less on lead generation. In fact, he's calling for an outright reduction of lead generation campaigns versus demand generation campaigns. He, many of these advocates, or of course, maybe including yourself, do not really look at the channels. There isn't much problem about the channels. The problem is really about the content and how that connects to the prospect or the consumers or what have you. So what are some of the, from an SEO perspective or content perspective, what are some of your maybe two or three tips for marketers who want to imbibe this mindset and use content to support revenue engines? Okay, I think the first thing is to think in terms of clusters. If you think of your content in terms of clusters, then you don't have silos. That's the first thing. You don't create content for the sake of it. You are creating content that fits in somewhere in the buyer's journey. You are creating content that fits in somewhere in your content and business goals. You are creating content that is going to serve a purpose, not just today, but for a very long time. So at the base of it, from the foundation, think of your content in clusters. Because if you decide to do it later on, when you already have a ton of content, then it becomes more difficult 
trying to decide what content gets to stay inside which clusters do you put them in what do you need to update what do you need to combine you know but it's just easier if from the foundation you're thinking of your content in clusters because even demand generation content those content at the middle and bottom of the funnel can also fit into every single cluster because at the end of it every content you're creating is around a service or solution that you offer and that solution is based on something that people are searching for so if people are searching for it, that makes it a keyword. That makes it a topic. That makes it a cluster. That makes it a type of content can fit into. So I, th- I feel like that is the base step. Think in terms of clusters. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, you know, applying clusters to most of this also helps because you've got segments, you've got funnels, we've got pipeline. And then by just connecting this to different clusters, you can better manage your content strategy. And which is what we're about to get into now. You're right to saying it's not new. HubSpot calls it the next evolution of SEO, but they said this long ago already. But they also invented another term called pillar content. My question is this, and I honestly didn't know or don't know. Is it different? Is pillar content different from content clusters? Or uh, do they work together? How do that? How does that work? Okay, so first of all, you are right when you say that HubSpot really popularized pillars and clusters. Look, those guys have been doing this since day one, and many people, even the biggest names, have learned from HubSpot on how to do content. So you're right about that. But here's where it is: pillar content and content clusters are one and the same. So. You have the pillar content. It, if you, you have to think about the cluster as a spider web. If you think about the spider web, in the middle of the spider web, you have the hub, the big thing there, where the, you see the spider sitting or whatever it is the spiders do. And then you have those things that looks like tentacles just branching out. So the thing in the middle is the hub that joins everything together. If you think about it now, back to the pillar cluster approach, that pillar content is the broad topic. Is the thing that offers like a comprehensive overview of the subject or of the topic in most scenarios it doesn't even you don't even get to rank for your pillar page because it's so competitive it's it's usually like what is or how to keyword is a big broad keyword that has the highest search volume that is the one you make your pillar content it's still within the cluster but it's more like a resource page that you go to to learn more about that topic so you would have something like crm as a topic the pillar page would now be what is a crm now inside that page they would discuss a few things, but what they would really be doing is giving you links to learn more about CRM. They could give you links to benefits of a CRM, who needs a CRM, how to use CRM for customer service, using CRM for sales, using CRM for lead generations, all of all the different use cases. And then as you click one link, then you start going deeper, deeper, deeper. It is like a rabbit hole. So the both of them are linked together. The pillar is more like the broader resource page. And then the cluster content itself, each one, is very, very niche. It's talking about one thing and one thing only. And then they pass link juice to each other from the pillar to the clusters and then from the cluster to the pillar. The goal is to create this interconnected hub of content that provides comprehensive coverage of the topic and all of them linking together, but working as a whole to provide that um, information for the user wherever they are in their journey, be it at the top, middle, bottom, or even post-purchase. Yeah, absolutely. And before I ask you well, the next question, yeah, I would like you to dig a little bit deeper into buyer journeys. And I see buyer journeys as there's an Harvard 
publication that I saw and that sort of stuck to my head like five years ago that talks about targeting audiences. It's not necessarily about like demographics or psychographics or stuff like that. It's about their job to be done, which is where sometimes SEO is very successful because people literally type the, their job that needs to be done on Google. I need this, how to do this, whatever that keyword is, right? But even within that is what um, some marketers call share of life, which in B2B could also be called buyer journeys. And buyer journeys in this case includes like a lifetime value chance and I come back and I churn again and so on and so forth. It happens in SaaS a lot. So how do you, from a, from a play good perspective, how do you advise marketers who are trying to work with businesses on how to see this whole content cluster thing with regards to buyer journeys? And I, again, it is different from different companies, okay? But I'm wondering if you've got like any general playbook on the questions that businesses should be asking or when coming up with these ideas for content clusters. I'll give you a good leading example. It's probably not the answer, but should I develop, again, back to the Spider-Man or the Spider-Guy, should I create spiders based on product lines or should I create spiders based on a specific brand purpose I'm pursuing? Or how do I create the spider that will now have the spider web? How can you help us think about these pillars you've asked like five questions in one <laughs> so i'll start from the first one first thing is that psychographics are actually very important because knowing where the user is is not enough the more information you have about the user the more you can tailor the content to focus on the buyer's problem so if you're trying to map your clusters based on the user's journey you have the awareness stage where they are just learning about the problem so they'll be typing in something like, let's say they are trying to get a CRM. They'll be typing in something like, what is a CRM? How to use a CRM? What's the benefit of a CRM? They'll be looking for informational content, eBooks, webinars, anything that introduces the topic. So yes, your job is to serve that information in a easy to understand format and in a way that establishes you as a trusted resource so that they can continue that journey with you. And then as they now go deeper, they're now at the consideration stage. Maybe they now understand, okay, I know what the CRM is. I'm ready to look at options. And then they start comparing. They compare maybe HubSpot versus Salesforce. Then they now say, oh, okay, I need something that has more sales future. Maybe they decide to go with Salesforce. So as they are comparing, they are looking for specific features. Then you can now start bringing out a solution that is tied to a future. For example, sales CRM. You can talk about why would someone need a sales CRM? Is it for sales team? Is it for which teams? You can talk about what they'll be getting, what they should be looking for when they are trying to purchase a sales CRM. They can, you can talk about, yes, all those kind of things. So as they are now looking at that, they are saying, okay, this is the consideration stage now. So they are looking at options, but they are looking at specific features. So the specific features they are looking for, you want to make sure that you know it. You don't know it if you don't know the psychographics. Is that psychographics that are giving that information. So at every stage, you're using that psychographic data to make sure that the content you are creating is personalized to the problem that the audience faces. So the kind of content that you'll be providing at that consideration stage is comparison content, competitor pages, videos, demos, expert guides, anything that helps them compare side by side and then help them make a decision. And then that brings them down to that final stage where they're looking at uh, maybe best this or best that, or they're looking for testimonials. 
anything that shows that you are a trusted resource and that your product does what it says it does around that solution that you're looking to solve. So the important thing is that now that you've now mapped that journey, it's not even enough to map the journey. How do you now fit your content into that journey that you've mapped? You might have existing content that you're not even aware of. So it's always best to start with a content audit and say, okay, what do we already have around this topic? What do we need to delete? What do we need to pull together? What do we need to update? And then use that as the base of the cluster. Then you now have to identify your potential pillar content. Usually it's the keyword that has the biggest search volume. That one is easy. Now you now have to start on the next stage, which is grouping the content to make sure that you don't cannibalize it. Basically what that means is that you want to make sure that no two content pieces are going after the same keyword. So you want to avoid keyword cannibalization and you do that by grouping all the subsections correctly. So as you group all of these subsections, you group by intent. This keyword, if I search for this keyword and I search for this keyword, is it the same type of content pieces that are coming up on SAP? That tells you that if you're seeing the same type of content pieces on search result pages, it tells you that, okay, then I only need to create one piece of content to cover these two or these three or these four, these five keywords. Because when I type in all of these keywords, it's the same content that is coming out in search results. Then you think about internal linking. How do you create a strong internal linking strategy that guides the reader? It acts like a navigation, guiding the reader from this content to this content deeper into your cluster. How do you fill existing gaps? based on what you've seen in your content edit and what you've seen that is missing in SERP and in competitors. And then how do you continue that learning journey beyond even purchase? Because it's very important to keep educating, to maintain that culture of providing fresh information for the user so that they feel like you are the person who is a trusted resource and you are ranking not just on SERP pages, but in their mind as the authority for that topic. So it's basically adopting this holistic approach to doing the research, to doing the audits, to mapping the keywords to the buyer's journey, to filling the gaps, and but most importantly, to making sure that you are top of mind for the user with this comprehensive cluster that you have created that covers every stage of that journey. Yeah, and I've got three words for you, Chima. Marketing is not easy. <laughs> so uh, if you're listening right now, I was just processing everything like, Oh my God. And I'll give you an instance. Maybe you can give us a way out. Some people, some enterprises or some mid-sized businesses, even small businesses, they've just been writing content. No structure, nothing. I feel, you mentioned something about audit. I feel that people should, even in retrospect, structure as much content that they've, as they've written or made into pillars or into clusters. Agreed. That's why I said thinking clusters because... If you're just writing content for the sake to fill up your blog, you just want to give volume, you just want to make sure that you're meeting some calendar that you've created, then you're just creating content for the sake of it. And we're in the age of AI now. You can do that with ChatGPT, with Jasper, with any of these tools that are popping out every day. But if you have a structure to the way you create the content, you've done the audits to see why is our content failing. You have to understand why your content is not even working right now so that you can understand what you can do better. Okay, why is this content successful? How do we replicate that results across our other content pieces? Why is this content sitting in the silos? Where do we have keyword cannibalization? How is it affecting not just the content, but the other content pieces, maybe in a ricochet effect or something like that? If you're not asking all these questions and you're just creating content off the top of your head, then you're not actually doing a great job with your content marketing. 
Absolutely. And and I'll just add to this to say, there's no escaping this if you are listening and you haven't structured your content. You have to set out time and look back as far back as you can and do all these audits and do all this restructuring and create a strategy around your existing content and make sure you, you know, follow all these very detailed steps that you might mention to make sure even internal linking and so on and so forth, to make sure that you have everything in place to cluster this and gain all the SEO juice you may have lost by spraying and praying in terms of writing content. I just wanted to say that's very important. A few execution ideas, Chima, just to explore with you. I don't want to mention tools here, but I will mention. Ahrefs, when you do keyword research on Ahrefs, you have keywords and you have topic. And I thought that's a good idea because if you are thinking about clusters, then you have a tool that tells you what a keyword is and the topic it belongs to. How do you know, not just tools, but how do you know by just looking at the keyword? How do you know that a keyword is a topic? Is it because it's long tail? Or you mentioned something about search volume. But what are some of the other things? How, without any tool at all, how can I know that a keyword is a topic and a keyword is a keyword or a subtopic? You get what I mean? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. So basically, yeah, the first thing is to think about keywords in topics. Don't just look at it as a keyword. Look at the keyword as a topic. Every keyword, look at every keyword as a topic. They are the same thing. It just means that when you see a keyword and you think of a topic, it allows you to think more holistically about the keyword. So the first thing is that what you're trying to find is what keyword can we make into a cluster? Can, is this a keyword that we can make into a topic cluster? So the first thing is to identify keywords that have high search volume because if it has a ton of search volume, that means that there'll be a, a lot of subtopics. You need to have, I want to see at least 10 subtopics supporting that main pillar page or maybe even five or six or seven years. There has to be subtopics. That tells you that, okay, the more subtopics, the more content you can create, the more education you can do, the more, let's say, the longer the buyer's journey is. So the first thing is relevance. Is this keyword relevant to your product? Is it relevant to your service? Is it relevant to what you do? Is it going to help you sell more? That's the first question. If the answer is yes, then you can now look at search volume. What I usually do is that when I jump on a call with a new SaaS company and they have an idea of a solution that they're offering, I want to look at that solution on SEP to see if that solution has keyword volume. If it doesn't, I want to find the closest thing that has search volume that still aligns with the solution that they offer so that we can use that as our overarching topic to build the cluster. So we look at search volume. Once we know search volume, we're looking at competitiveness. That tells you, oh, is this going to be too hard to rank for? Because people like HubSpot or Salesforce are, are ranking for those keywords. If you look at the top 10 people ranking for that keyword, and they're all websites that have like 2 million, 3 million search traffic, high domain authority, a massive amount of backlinks, the chances of you, a smaller person, ranking for that keyword is very low. So I would look for something that has less competition to build the cluster around because then we have a better chance of ranking for the keyword. They also want to look at the intent. What is your goal again? If your goal is to drive more leads, you'll be looking to populate the cluster with keywords that have commercial intent. If your goal is to educate, then you'll be looking at keywords that have information. I usually like to do like a mix. I want a keyword that allows me to create informational content, commercial content, and transactional content. That's usually the best type of cluster. And then, again, you're looking for opportunities for subtopics. 
So big keywords that have like 100K search volumes, let's say, for example, the topic of SEO. If you go into SEO, this, a subtopic like tech SEO is also its own cluster. If you go into content marketing, a subtopic like content strategy or content optimization is also is a subtopic that can also be its own cluster. Do you understand? It's like CRM, customer relationship management. A subtopic like customer support is also a subtopic that can be its own cluster. So you want things that give you the opportunity to create subtopics, but also opportunities to create, to turn those subtopics even into cluster. So these are things that I'm looking for, but I feel like the first thing is what is the solution that is tied to the keyword? Does that have a lot of search volume? Does that have a lot of subtopics? Does it give us the opportunity to create bottom, middle, and top of the funnel? How competitive is the keyword? If we have these answers, then I can use that to determine if this is a keyword that we can use as a topic cluster. Yeah, if you're listening right now and you haven't subscribed, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to repurpose this episode and sell it to you as a course. So if you don't like that and you want to get this for free, please subscribe. What you just heard now is premium wisdom. And this is how we get it with all our guests. And when it comes to content clusters and demand generation and stuff like that, we are going cutting edge with this. And Chima being a world expert at this has given us step-by-step perspective on how to classify this and how to connect this to our business models and how we can execute it systematically, also at the level of detail that is required. So I just wanted us to mention that there. Now, back to the topic. I want to ask, I ask a follow-up question. It's a bit cheeky, but I found it online, so I thought I would ask. Autocomplete. Can I determine subtopics through autocomplete? Yes, definitely. If you have like a big pillar, if you just start typing the topic inside Google, autocomplete will start suggesting subtopics. Something that I think is really good is to install keywords everywhere. I think like $10 worth of credits, we get you like three or six months. I'm a big fan of that too, because it integrates in search results. What that means is that keywords everywhere. So what that means is that once you have that and you've installed it as a Chrome extension and you now type in a keyword, let's say you type in scheduling software, autocomplete will now start showing you all the subtopics and then keywords everywhere will show you search volume attached to those subtopics. So right there, you can even start filtering out to see subtopics that have decent search volumes and subtopics that will not even be necessary to pursue. It speeds off the process of filtering promising keywords and those that you shouldn't be going after. Keywords everywhere, yeah, you're right. The one with the K logo. Yes, yes. Yeah, I've used I've been using this since 2017. So please, you should get that too. And it helps us to approach autocomplete in a much contained way compared to like the autocompletes themselves where you can't really like copy as you're typing or, or whatever it is there. So thank you for mentioning that, you know. Chima, you're a gift that keeps giving, but there's more to what I'm going to be asking you. You mentioned internal linking before, and I would like you to talk a little bit more about that in terms of like the pitfalls that we should avoid when approaching internal linking for content clusters. From your experience, what are some of the things that you think we should avoid because marketers, I don't know if you notice, marketers, we are always overfixing everything. If they say negative is the way to go, everybody will leave positive and go to negative. Same thing with positive. 
So what are some of those pitfalls with internal linking or maybe some level of external linking? We don't know. That might be helpful to content clusters and will not damage the content clusters campaign at all. Okay, so I'll focus more on what you should be doing and then mention what you shouldn't be doing with each of these points. So the first one is pillar to cluster linking. The pillar is, is the hub. So you want to link from the pillar to the rest of the cluster to pass link juice. And then you want to link from the cluster to the pillar. And you want to link from the cluster to the cluster. So what you're doing now is that when you link from pillar to cluster, it helps to establish the pillar content as the authority and then guide the readers that want more information. It gives them like that general overview. Now, if you link from the cluster to the pillar, you are signaling that this is the most important piece in the topic cluster. This is the one you want search engines to like pass that authority and importance to. Yes, they see it as that. Again, it also helps them. It also helps the reader to navigate from if they came in through one of the cluster content, they can now go to the main hub and then maybe it's like follow that structure that you originally wanted them to follow. And then you can now look at the cluster to cluster, linking between the pieces in the cluster. I think this is even the trickiest, but also the most important because then you can, it allows you to pass links to the most important pieces in your cluster you can pick like three or four content pieces and say okay these are the main ones that i want people to read the ones that if everybody reads i'm going to be very happy because it will achieve the goals that i have set so you want to be passing links to those pieces what you don't want to be doing is just linking irrationally you don't want to just take every piece of content and then add links to all the clusters in every piece of content no you want to pick a goal for every piece and say, okay, in this piece, what is relevant to this piece within the cluster? Link to that. How do we link to the pillar in every piece? That's what you want to be thinking about. Your linking has to be strategic. You also have to be thinking about anchor text. I see a lot of people just linking to random text. That's wrong. You want to use the keyword for that cluster content as the anchor text where, where possible or make it something that is descriptive that allows the user and search engine to understand what the link text is about. You also want to avoid keyword stuffing and just linking every two to three lines, but at least space out the links so that it stands out and it calls the reader and compels them to click on it. Something that I think that we don't do enough of is linking deep. Okay, let me use an example. Content Marketing Institute, they are a great example of deep linking. If you go and read the pillar on content marketing it starts with what is content marketing you click one resource it takes you to a bunch of reports you click one of those reports it takes you to something else it takes you to something else before you know you've read like 10 articles and before you know you're giving them your email through one of the conversion assets that you've clicked on that is deep linking it can help to spread link equity throughout the sites and it can also ensure that the older pieces of your, of your content the one that you probably you wrote five years ago is still getting relevance because you are linking to them. So you're not just linking within the cluster that you've just created. You're also looking for maybe old resources that are relevant to what you're talking about now and linking to them so that people are still reading those resources. So it's something we don't do enough of. We don't think about how can I link more deeply within my overall content outside of this cluster that we're creating and then user experience. I think this one is obvious, but people forget this. But you also have to think about user experience. You have to avoid as much as possible excessive linking that can feel spammy and disrupt the user's reading experience. 
And finally, I think we should think about broken links as often as possible. Do a link audit, check for broken links, especially when you're linking to pieces that you've decided to take down and make sure that you are redirecting those pieces to content that is live on your website. I love that. I love that. Before now, we're talking about tools that could assist with future topic clusters. Now, are you aware of any tools that can help with topic clusters in retrospect? I have, I don't know, 1,000 articles. What, what are some of those tools that you use? Okay. So let me start from the top part. Keyword research. I use Google Search Console. I use href, more, SEMrush, depends on what I have access to. And I've started recently using SE ranking. So depending on what, any keyword research tool, to be honest, if you're looking for something free, I, I think more has the best option for if you're looking for something free. If you are looking for something that is comprehensive, that is a mix of everything, I would say SEMrush. It's very wide in terms of what they offer. And if you're looking for something that gives you like really good information, I would say Ahrefs. All of them are good, to be honest. Every single tool has its own um, information on what they call uh, keyword data and all of that. I think the important thing is to pick one tool and stick to that tool. Don't mix information across the tool or you're just going to be doing pick and drop. Next, audits. If you want to do audits, man, I, okay, let me think. I think Screaming Frog, Screaming Frog would be the best to do an audit. Keyword grouping. Keyword grouping or basically, yes, matching con um, keywords to intent. I would say keyword insights. That's the best tool for that, keyword insights. For grouping keywords and basically saying, okay, this goes top of the funnel, this goes middle, these keywords are great to come together for one content piece. So I would say for mapping, for grouping, keyword insights. Understanding intent. SEMrush just added that feature now for their keyword research. So they put that and they say commercial, informational, navigational, they add that in. So you can even use that when you're, when you're doing keyword research. It's very helpful. But content tools also give you that information too. Any of them will give you that information. Now, the next one, we're creating the briefs because that's an important part. You've done the research, you now want to create the briefs. Creating briefs, I use Neuratext to create my briefs, but you also have tools like Market Muse, Content Harmony, and ClearScope, these are like, for me, great tools. Market Muse, Content Harmony, ClearScope, and Neuratex, all of them great tools for creating content briefs. I also think that ChatGPT version 4 is also great. How do we use that? Can you give us like, a, I don't know, three minutes? Okay. Basically, what I do, first of all, is that if I want to create a content brief in ChatGPT, I would go in and I'll say something like, I'm writing an article on this keyword and I'll give it the keyword. And then I would say the audience is this, the goal of the content is this, the reader is here and they're trying to get here. Is there anything you need for me to help me create a content brief? Then ChatGPT will tell me what information it needs and then I'll feed it that information and then it will give me a content brief. And then I can say, and basically, it's really good because under every subheading, it gives you points of what you're supposed to discuss under every subheading. Then you can now take that brief that ChatGPT has created and then do like a manual one with ClearScope or anything like that. They also do their own brief. And then you can compare and say, okay, what is now recovering on incepts from what I've done with ChatGPT and what I've done with ClearScope? It just gives you that extra information. So I feel like what ChatGPT has been really good at doing for me is finding that X factor 
because most of these tools regurgitate what is already existing. They look for patterns and then they give you that patterns, which is great because you want to do what's already been done to run concept. But ChatGPT is good at finding that extra bit that can help you stand above that X factor that help you stand above, and then using that in your content brief. All right, the writing part. For writing, it depends. If you have the budget, obviously go with great writers. If you don't have the budget and you're trying to scale building your content writing, I would say ChatGPT is the best option. All the other tools, I feel like all of them are built on the back of ChatGPT. So definitely ChatGPT four. You can use it to write content. What you need to do first of all is feed it existing content that you have on your website so that it understands your style and tone of voice. And then that brief that you've created, put it in sectionally because it, it, if you put too much, then it doesn't give you enough. If you put little and then you feed it information, it can help you write every subheading. So that's for writing. Editing, Grammarly is great for editing. You can even use ChatGPT to even edit your content. That content that you've created, you feed it back in, use it to edit, and then optimizing. This is the one you need to do manually, in my opinion. You can optimize with tools like any SEO tool that does content brief also does optimizing. So the same tools you use to build the brief, like Clearscope and the rest of them, they also help you optimize with entities because entity optimization is very, 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 very important. It allows you to rank for more keywords than what you're even going for. So the more related entities you can have in the content, the more context you can provide for search engines to understand what the topic is about. So those tools can help you optimize. And then you want to use internal linking. My favorite tool for internal linking is LinkRisper. I've died by that tool. It suggests internal links based on words that is on the text that already exist on your website. So for example, if I'm publishing a content and I have a word that says SEO books, if I already have content about SEO books or even books is going to suggest that as an internal link. And that is great if you are trying to do deep linking because it's going to suggest older pieces too. Any piece at all, as long as it's related to those words. Yes, it's to suggest it and you can use it to link internally. And then finally, tracking performance, search console, Google Analytics. Honestly, these are like the two tools you need for performance tracking. And then your favorite SEO tool to track keyword data and the rest of all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my, it's it's just great inso- info, great insights. If you're listening, just take it step by step because it's all about the strategy. Yes, you might think we are talking about topic cluster and it's meant to be simple. No. Co- topic cluster is you are trying to make sense of a content spider web. And if you are a follower of Spider-Man, you know that Spider-Man is a scientist, is well equipped. So if you're a marketer and you want to produce the demand gen content that will produce revenue in the long run or sustainable commercial value, then you should follow all the steps um, that Chima has outlined uh, for us. Before I, I, I let you go and ask some of the uh, few questions, I would like us to take a quick commercial break from our sponsor. And then when you come back, I would like to get some best practices on some other areas when it comes to content clusters. You've shared quite a lot already, but there's still a few value that our listeners will want to get from you. So if you're listening, please stay tuned as we go on our commercial break now. This episode is brought to you by Listen Network, where podcasts meet their potential. If you're a brand needing podcast episode promotion or podcast follower promotion, Listen Network is here to give you the best in-class analytics, podcast growth attribution, and podcast promotion success. Find out more at www.listennetwork.co. 
It's a marketing leadership podcast with Dots here, and I'm talking to Chima Emeje. It's been, in my opinion, one of the most exciting and impactful episodes. And we've been talking about SEO content clusters. And now we can tie that into this very growing world of demand gen uh, content marketing. The last question I wanted to ask you, uh, and that's relating to how all these things that we've mentioned translates into revenue. We're still on the very technical side of things. You mentioned a little bit about it, I won't lie. And that's about managing content cluster cycles, about 10 subtopics and things like that. But there are other problems aside it being too small or too much. Sometimes we could have a problem where it's too broad. We could have a problem where it's too niche. We could have all kinds of problems when it comes to managing the cluster cycles. So when do we know that we need to get out of a cycle and into the new one and reach a particular cycle, spin off a particular cycle? You've mentioned a little bit again about old content and how to deal with that. What are some of those best practices on how to manage cluster cycles in general? Because I think it's very important. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think you can go too broad with a with a content cluster. The whole point of building a content cluster is that you go deep, not broad. So if you are going broad, then you're not building a cluster. You're just creating content for the sake of it. Because if you're actually building a cluster, then you're going deeper. You're covering every subtopic like a content of its own. And you're making sure that content is the best piece that already exists. And then you're linking it to the main hub. And you're diversifying. So I think a few best practices, I would say, number one, diversify your cluster. It's not just blog posts. It's not just product pages. Think about how can you repurpose this content as a podcast, as a case study, as a customer success story, maybe even. I feel like we don't do that enough. We don't tie customer success stories to clusters. What solution has a customer used? What solution has a customer used? And how do you tie it to something that you've already created. You can add that customer story throughout the cluster. You can add relevant stories throughout the cluster. So what about even video content? What about social media content? There are so many ways that you can repurpose that content. I'm not even repurposing. There are so many ways you can diversify the cluster so that it doesn't just live on your blog. What about forums like Reddit and Quora and even Facebook groups answering questions and linking back to a resource on your cluster that goes deeper? Which we have to think more deeply beyond blog content and beyond content that lives on the blog. You have to also think about off-page and maybe guest content. Yes. So, yeah, thinking about these things. And when is it time to repurpose? I think a good practice is to use January as the month to, to go back, look at what you've done in the past year, check what is working, check what isn't working, understand why it's not working, make some adjustments to your content, and then see what happens. Not every piece of content is going to be successful around on page one. And that's what you just need to be consistent at it. You need to be able to track the results, track the right metrics, so that you know what is working and what isn't. And again, metrics in this case, it's not just about tracking the keyword ranking or tracking the traffic or bounce rate. Yes, those things are important, but what about authority? This is something that is not easy to track, but I think it's actually very important. The main goal of building a cluster is to build authority. Okay, for example, now, if somebody asks me to recommend a soft drink, I'm thinking Coca-Cola and Pepsi. I'm not thinking anything else. That doesn't happen because of search. It happens because these are like the two biggest brands. If somebody asks me to recommend a marketing software, the first thing that comes to my mind is HubSpot. Do you understand? Same thing with CRM. So same thing with scheduling too. The first thing I'm thinking of is Calendly. It now goes beyond search data 
to the authority that these people have built that is now in your mind. These are things that can be measured, but these are things that are actually very important. So you can look at more deeper things like organic CTR, scroll depth, how deeply are people reading your pages? If they're just coming in and reading one so bad and going, then maybe they're not providing enough information. But if they are, if they are reading and going down, and then what about assisted conversion? I don't think we've learned how to properly track assisted conversions because sometimes somebody might read a piece of content and then leave and then come back and make a purchase, maybe even through a different channel. Or maybe they read one piece of content and then they went to another piece of content and made a purchase based on what they've just read. So it's not easy to track everything that leads to a sale, but it's important to do these things because together they contribute to a sale. Yeah, even qualitative data can help. Qualitative, just asking your customers. As just traffic, what, how many links do people click? How many links were generated and things like that? And then start thinking more cohesively to how do we own this topic, not just in SEP, but how do we rank in the mind of the user? And we want people to start putting our name in front of the search results so that we are the brands that is coming up because we are the ones that they trust. For me, I think that is even the most important. Yeah, I, I like the fact that you're putting the softer spots to it. SEO specialists are often very technical and we've spoken to a bunch of them, but incorporating that brand essence, brand equity, brand recall into all this is also the source to create that kind of success and in, in your world, that kind of authority because there is that uh, top of mind awareness. When you think of a particular category, these are the brands that are associated with it. They put in the work. That's why they are top of it. Yes, they put in the work. I think people just assume because they are popular, but they became popular for a reason. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Maybe you've been in enterprise. We are in enterprise. I'm in enterprise as well. We know that these things take work. And the fact that you also mentioned some KPIs, I love that as well. I love the, all those scroll depths, user experience, content performance, and some of those other KPIs that you mentioned. So thank you so much for saying that. I can't say this enough. Sounding like a broken record, but Chima is being awesome, premium marketing wisdom. This is probably the most detailed that we've ever had. And we've recorded a number of episodes. So thank you so much for putting in a lot of work into this and all the great things that you've been doing for the SEO world. You obviously don't disappoint. So where can our brands find you when they need help with developing thought, thought leading demand generating content and please talk to us about some of those things we are working on as well we spoke about that off camera yeah sure you can find me on my linkedin that's usually the first place where i share a lot of good gems i share tips on doing content marketing on a budget i share tips for content writers to create better content i share tips for content uh, managers to get the most bang out of their budgets when executing content marketing strategies my linkedin is my name chima major you can also find me on twitter my name also Chima Major. Those are the two main platforms that you can find me on. And what I'm working on right now, I'm working on reshooting all of the videos for my course, the 10x Topic Authority course. It's a course I created that teaches you how to do topic clusters from scratch. The whole process of it, I go into really like serious detail in the course. And I'm working on reshooting the videos because AI is here, and I would like to include how we can use AI in part in our process because it's something I've been doing and it's been working really well for me and I want to share that with my audience. So I'm reshooting all the videos. 
I'm building a cluster on building topic clusters. So that is coming out soon. So those are like the two big things that I'm working on right now. Yeah, great, great. Please, let's connect. I'm also a huge follower as well. That's all for today, guys. Please see more episodes at dotslovesmarketing.com and subscribe to the Marketing Leadership Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Till next episode, connect the dots. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. There will be links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.